America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. A great day when another Republican has jumped into the presidential race. Today it's Asa Hutchinson who formally announced his candidacy. He's a former U.S. congressman, former governor of Arkansas. And uh, he is running as one of the Republicans in this race who is most outspokenly critical of Donald J. Trump. Uh, speaking of critical of Donald J. Trump, how about criticism from the left against Kamala Harris? Uh, there's a piece today, an important piece by Thomas Friedman, Pulitzer Prize winning columnist for The New York Times. And he's a guy on the left. And he is basically saying that uh, Kamala Harris could wreck the country if she remains on the ticket with Joe Biden and nothing is done to improve her approval rating because she would hand an election victory to Donald J. Trump. And speaking of which, if he wants to beat uh, Kamala Harris and he really does want to beat Joe Biden, should he think about selecting his own running mate early because uh, Kamala Harris is right there on that ticket? And speaking of running mates, there are a number of interesting people who are now running for the GOP nomination. Uh, some of them are little known, like Vivek Ramaswamy. Uh, people are beginning to get his name down right. And uh, he's said a lot of provocative things. Somebody else who has said no end of provocative and substantive things is my friend Larry Elder, who declared his own candidacy for president of the United States. Okay, he's never won a public office before. He did run a good race for governor of California during that attempted recall of Gavin Newsom. Uh, Larry's going to be joining us on the show to tell us what his campaign for president is really all about. Uh, 1-800-955-1776 is our phone number. Uh, there is so much going on, and so much of it has to do, of course, directly with the campaign as it is unfolding. Uh, one of the uh, pieces that I think is most important and uh, most relevant to what the, is happening in this campaign is a report over at the National Review by Dan McLaughlin, and it's about uh, President Trump trying to end the game before the voters get involved. And uh, this has to, uh, to do with uh, President Trump's statement yesterday, which we talked about, saying that he may not want to debate, that uh, Republicans are talking about getting together for presidential debates, particularly with all of these candidates uh, some of whom are excellent at debate, and I know that because I've debated him, among other things. Larry Elder is going to be very, very formidable in any debate coming up. But Trump said yesterday that because he has such an insurmountable lead that uh, maybe they shouldn't have debates after all. And uh, here's, uh, here's, here's what uh, part of it uh, says. Uh, it is... Hard, writes Dan McLaughlin in National Review, it is hard not to see a fear of Ron DeSantis animating everything Donald Trump does these days. 
Combine that with Trump's general modus operandi of crying foul in advance of anything he expects to go against him while declaring victory before all the votes are cast, and you get what is happening right now. First, we had Trump's preposterous effort to deride Republican governance in Florida and Trump intimidating people such as Steve Daines, who is the senator from Montana. He's the chair of the Republican Senatorial Committee into endorsing him while touting himself as the bete noire of the establishment. Now Trump is musing about pulling out of the debates on the theory that his lead is insurmountable some nine months before the first vote is cast. And by the way, it's just three months until those debates would be taking place. Uh, the uh, One of the elements on uh, Twitter, it says, Just in, Donald Trump has released a new statement on Truth Social with reasons on why he should not be forced to debate anyone in the Republican primary. So he's going to drain the swamp, but he can't handle a debate that may be a little challenging. Well, there's more on this, and uh, this is actually more directly serious than the debates. Uh, Charles Gasparino of Fox Business, he's one of the people who is not <laughs> getting fired or questioned. He's, uh, he's there and uh, is a stalwart at Fox Business. He reports that Trump uh, plans to go to Tallahassee, that's the state capital of Florida, to whip votes against a bill to amend Florida's resign to run law. Okay, Florida has this law, which is suddenly becoming very relevant, that says that uh, if you're going to be running for another office uh, and uh, you're sitting there and functioning as governor, you have to resign before you run for that other office. Uh, which would mean that Ron DeSantis would have to resign his post as governor of Florida, a post that he won so overwhelmingly in the last election, and uh, basically leave his uh, term, his new term that he just won, uh, giving away almost three years of it. Ron DeSantis needs the law changed in order to declare a presidential candidacy without having to quit his job as governor. Uh, Trump may picture himself repeating the Barack Obama playbook of winning elections by getting his opponents barred from the ballot. But personally, going to Tallahassee would also be a risk. If Trump picks that fight and loses, he will come out looking smaller. And uh, again, why would... Okay, it is true that there are a lot of local uh, Florida politicians who um, have endorsed Trump. And do not support DeSantis. Uh, members of Congress, uh, people uh, like Greg Stubbe, who is uh, one of the dynamic Florida Republicans. A lot of uh, more members of the Florida congressional delegation support President Trump than support Governor DeSantis. But... Uh, they say um, Charles Gasparino puts in uh, a Twitter... My GOP sources with ties to Florida's GOP leadership say the rumor is that uh, real Donald Trump plans to go to Tallahassee and kill this bill to totally derail Governor Ron DeSantis running for president. It's pretty nasty. Um, and then more that says that uh, Florida may be reworking laws to allow DeSantis to run for president 
with uh, GOP leadership uh, likely to rewrite the laws they did for former governors Scott and Christ to allow them to run for federal office. Okay, uh, this obviously is uh, something that uh, is going to be there in the weeks ahead, but there is much more where you have a number of leading conservative voices, including uh, an editorial in Wall Street Journal, Mark Thiessen, syndicated columnist for the Washington Post, former aide to President George W. Bush, and others suggesting that there is only one way that Joe Biden, who has been, from a conservative point of view, certainly, a, such a terrible disappointment as president who has this problem of an age issue, there is only one possible way that uh, Joe Biden could win this race. And that possible way for him to win this race is for Donald Trump to be the Republican candidate again. Uh, for Donald Trump to actually win this time, and no, he did not win last time, he'd have to, to win a majority of uh, the popular vote. He'd have to get uh, m some 7 million people to change their minds about him. Is that likely to happen? We will get to that. Larry Elder coming up right here on the Medved Show. 1-800-955-1776. The Michael Medved Show. Michael Medved show. Uh, Larry Elder joins us at 1230, and I believe he is going to be using as his campaign slogan as he runs for president, we've got a country to save. And uh, the uh, idea that uh, the Democrats are uh, so radical on so many issues is one of those ideas that I think is animating a number of Republican campaigns, including the new campaign for Asa Hutchinson, who just formally announced his uh, his campaign for president of the United States down in Arkansas. Now, he is somebody who has some electoral experience, two terms as governor of, uh, of Arkansas, which, by, by the way, as a small state, in terms of population, Arkansas has produced a president recently, obviously, Bill Clinton, and a very serious candidate for president two times, Mike Huckabee. And, uh, and, and now, of course, Mike Huckabee's uh, daughter, Sarah uh, Huckabee Sanders, is the governor of the state of Arkansas. In any event, with all of that going on, it's, uh, it's interesting that what this campaign may come down to is which party is truly extremist? Which party is more out of the mainstream? And I think it's it's striking that uh, certainly uh, Joe Biden was trying uh, in his announcement video yesterday, which we played here on the show, that in that announcement video, he was uh, deliberately trying to tone down any of 
the democratic ideas that would be considered extreme by most people. And the Green New Deal is extreme. The, uh, the, the whole idea of defunding the police, which was popular among Democrats, and even uh, Joe Biden did not speak up clearly enough against. In any event, he has abandoned that. And one of the things that he talked about was not some of his uh, big, great society, uh, New Deal dreams for a second term, but the idea that he would be uh, uh, more of the same. It would be moderate is uh, the idea that he was trying to communicate. And meanwhile, the people who advocate for Joe Biden, like uh, former Senator Claire McCaskill on NBC, uh, she basically reamed the Republican Party uh, and talked about the Republican Party being out of the mainstream. Here is Senator McCaskill. Listen. I think it's important to remember this is not a referendum. This is a choice. And he has got a lot of things going for him in that category. We have a Republican Party that is worshiping at the altar of extremism. We have the very far extreme fringe of the Republican Party in full display of whether it is in my state where the government is forcing rape victims to give birth or in other states where they are refusing to allow children to read historic books the book banning, the, the guns, uh, the abortion rights, all of these things are being taken to such an extreme that independent voters, suburban mothers are all going, wait, we don't want that. We want something more normal. We want somebody who wants to unite the country rather than divide the country. Okay, really, are the Democrats, uh, for instance, on the issue of abortion, are they helping to unite the country? The Democrats are extreme. Uh, the Democratic Party position, which was contrasted very effectively uh, with uh, Nikki Haley's position, where she gave a speech yesterday that has been drawing a lot of praise because it does try to uh, offer a moderate pro-life position. But when the Democrats are actually talking about using tax money, something that basically Democrats, including Joe Biden, used to be a supporter of what was called the Hyde Amendment, which prevented federal tax money from being used to pay for abortions. Isn't it an extreme pro-abortion position to want to fund abortions? and to uh, uh, favor abortion on demand uh, right up until the last moment, to oppose born-alive bills. In other words, if a, uh, uh, an abortion doesn't work or there's a problem with it and the baby uh, results and the baby is alive and breathing and beating hard and outside the womb, uh, it b basically saying that uh, you ought to have a choice to be able to kill the baby right there, isn't that an extreme position? And when you talk about the, the concern with trans athletes, uh, with integrating female sports, there's a great story, which we will get to later in the show, about a, um, a runner in the London Marathon, a uh, male runner who uh, admits that he is a male who has transitioned. He's going to have some surgery, but he hasn't had it yet. 
but he finished ahead of 14,000 women. And he's a pretty good runner. But at, at a marathon runner, the, the position that uh, basically it is wrong to allow women only for women's sports, that isn't extreme. And, and when they talk about censoring books, what, what the left is talking about is uh, uh, not simply – it's not censoring books that they oppose. What they oppose is their attempts to basically fill children's minds with anti-American propaganda and suggesting that America wasn't really founded in 1776, that the country was really founded on slavery, and that has been the most formidable and the very essence of American existence for all that time. The uh, whole idea of woke issues with language, with pronouns, uh, with uh, not being able to say uh, when women get pregnant, you have to say when persons get pregnant, really? That isn't extreme. Uh, I mean, this is one of those issues that is going to be crucial when uh, the election comes up. And uh, again, I, I think it, it does go to the point that uh, Joe Biden is walking away as quickly as he can from, and his uh, announcement video showed that, from uh, the more radical ideas of the Democratic Party. Uh, meanwhile, there's a piece by Karen Tumulty, and she says this. Uh, she's a deputy opinion editor at the Washington Post. She And she says she voted for Biden last time. But she says what's striking about the video launching President Biden's reelection campaign is not what is different from the one he put out exactly four years earlier, but what is the same? Both show scenes of violence and hard right extremism in the opening moments. And both put the focus right where it should be, on the question of what will define the future of the United States. And the first uh, video that he did four years ago, uh, that, that video was about Charlottesville. And now the new one features January 6th and the riot in the Capitol building. Uh, we'll be speaking to presidential candidate Larry Elder coming right up on the Medved Show. Medved show, there is so much attention on the uh, increasingly bitter competition between Donald Trump and uh, Ron DeSantis for the Republican nomination for President of the United States. It's easy to forget that there are a bunch of other alternatives. Uh, one of them, which I find particularly intriguing because Larry Elder is a friend of mine, has been for years is uh, Larry Elder, best known as a talk show host, as a best-selling author, as a very successful uh, attorney with a real experience uh, actually making money in business. And uh, he has announced his candidacy for president of the United States, and I'm delighted that he joins us on the show. Uh, Larry, you've been thinking about this for a while, haven't you? You know, Michael, I have. As you know, I ran unsuccessfully for 
governor in the recall election, uh, we collected in eight weeks, because I got in real late, $27 million from 150,000 individual donors, half of whom came from outside of California. So, Michael, the race is over. I go to Key West to chill out, lick my wounds. Key West, because that's where Hemingway wrote most of his great books, and I've always thought of myself as a writer before anything else. And so many people came up to me, told me they contributed, told me they watched the race, and urged me to run for president. And at first I dismissed it, but the more I thought about it, the more I thought, Michael, it frankly would be easier to be elected president of the United States than to be elected anything statewide in California as a Republican. (laughs) That's right, because we have a two-party system in the United States. They don't in California. Um, uh, Larry, uh, you've said positive things, and I, I know that, about President Trump. You've said positive things about Governor DeSantis. Where are the issues where you differ from uh, the uh, Republican top two at the moment, where the Larry Elder program and the Larry Elder agenda as president would look different from the agenda of Donald Trump or of uh, Ron DeSantis? Well, I have a few things to say about that, Michael. I think on our side, meaning Republican side, there are kind of two positions, those who love Donald Trump and those who love Donald Trump's policies, what he did as president, but either don't love Trump personally or don't feel that enough people uh, will support him in the general that if he gets the nomination, he will lose. Uh, So there aren't all that many policy differences, but there's some personality differences and a couple of things I think I bring to the table that maybe the other candidates do not. And the first is a full-throated refutation uh, of, of the notion that America uh, is a systemically racist country. As you know, the Democrats take that knife and put it in the mustard jar of racism and smear it over every single issue they can in order to create the notion that America is hostile to black people. So black people vote 90 95% for the Democratic Party because they have been successful in marketing themselves as the party of social justice and equity. And these SOBs, these Republicans, well, they're the party against all that. So we wear the white hat in that fight, say the Democrats, and Republicans wear the black hat in that fight. And it's complete and total nonsense. And having grown up in South Central with a father who never knew his own biological father, who dropped out of school when he was in the eighth grade, who later on became a successful small businessman. And when my dad retired from running the cafe, he uh, owned that little property there and the adjacent property plus the home that's still in our family. So my dad retired with a net worth a little bit under a million dollars, not too shabby for a systemically racist country. And my dad was a lifelong Republican, the only one I knew until I was in law school. The other thing that is important to talk about, Michael, is this this attack against the police. It's causing a couple of things. One of them is called the Ferguson effect, which is causing the cops to pull back from the normal proactive policing. And as a result, hundreds, if not thousands of people are dead who otherwise wouldn't have been dead if the police had been doing their normal job. And most of these people are the very people that people on the left, uh, i.e. black people, that they claim to care about. The other thing it does, if you're a young black man and you've been given the steady diet, police are racist, whether it's from Al Sharpton or Barack Obama or Eric Holder, all of whom has suggested it, and you're pulled over by a cop, why should you cooperate? Why would you comply? The guy's out to get you. He's the enemy. And as a result, many of these high-profile shootings uh, and killings by cops would never have occurred uh, if the suspect had simply complied. The other thing, Michael, I think I'd bring to the table is to discuss the 10,000-pound uh, elephant in the room that our side does not talk enough about, the other side doesn't talk, talk about at all, and that is the epidemic of fatherlessness. Seventy percent of black kids enter the world without a father in the home married to the mother. 
50% of Hispanic kids, 25% of white kids, which was the same percentage as was the case of, of black back in 1965. 40% of all American kids, Michael, come into the world without a father in a home married to the mother. And all these other social problems we talk about, crime, school dropouts, and those kinds of things are directly related to that. And we do not talk enough about that. Uh, what can the uh, federal government, uh, what can a president of the United States do about that? Well, the federal government is the cause of the breakdown. Lyndon Johnson launched the so-called war on poverty back in 65. We spent over $20, $20 trillion uh, fighting the war on poverty. And what we've done, in my opinion, is we've incentivized women to marry the government. And we've incentivized men to abandon their financial and moral responsibility. So the government intervention is what's caused the problem in the first place. Now, once people are on welfare, you can't uh, snatch away the carpet underneath them without doing a great deal of damage. What you can do, however, uh, is to allow people to direct the money that goes to social programs to causes, uh, nonprofits in their own neighborhood that they know really will do good work. The other thing I would strongly recommend, based on what um, uh, Frederick Douglass once said, he said that it's easier to build strong children than to prepare broken men. We have a lot of broken men in our country, Michael. They need mentors uh, the way people in AA need mentors. They call them sponsors. Uh, every black kid who does not have a father ought to have somebody, retired person, uh, who's, who that person can pick up the phone and call that person uh, for guidance, for counseling, so that people stop making bad moral mistakes. Uh, there's not a real simple solution to it, but certainly you need to call people out uh, that they have a moral obligation not to bring children into the world that they cannot feed, clothe, house, and educate. To do otherwise, in my opinion, is the moral equivalent of a drive-by shooting. Uh, speaking to Larry Elder, candidate for president of the United States, you were just at Iowa uh, speaking uh, for the Faith and Freedom Coalition uh, there, along with a number of other presidential contenders. Uh, what did you emphasize when you talked to those folks? Uh, what I just emphasized with you, I emphasized the nonsense that America is systemically racist, and I talked about the consequences, the real-world consequences to that lie. Uh, you know, Michael, a young black man aged 10 to 34 is 13 times more likely to be murdered than a, a young white man in the same demo. Uh, and almost always the murderer is another young black man, not a racist white cop. And I've talked about the breakdown of the family, uh, which, is a, which is responsible for this. I mean, unless we're prepared to say black people are just genetically inclined to commit crime, we have to ask ourselves what the hell is going on. And I also emphasize what I said earlier about fatherlessness. Uh, it is a crisis in our country, and if we don't talk about it, we don't address it, if we don't try to get people to behave more responsibly, we're, we're just in deep, deep trouble. And uh, we have uh, all sorts of deep, deep trouble confronting the rest of the world. Uh, given the fact that uh, I know you believe, because we've talked about it actually, that uh, China is a real threat to the United States, uh, do you support the general Republican point of view, and we will get to it in just a moment with Larry Elder, do you support the point of view that we do need to spend more on defense, we do need to modernize our Navy, that we do need to make sure that Vladimir Putin doesn't win his war in Europe, that he has launched against Ukraine with so many war crimes on the table? Uh, we'll get to that. These issues didn't come up so much when Larry ran a really a remarkable campaign in eight weeks for governor of California of uh, people who voted against uh, for an alternative to uh, Gavin Newsom. 
Uh, Larry got a full 49% of that vote with uh, literally dozens of candidates there on the ballot. We will be right back with presidential candidate Larry Elder coming up on the MedVet Show. Are you feeling tired? Is your stomach upset and you can't eat the foods you like? Balance 7 will change that and bring back your energy. Click on the Balance 7 banner at michaelmedvet.com. Use the code MEDVET and get $15 off your order. Free shipping plus a free bottle of My Smooth Skin. Money back guarantee. 1-800-955-1776. The Michael Medved Show. Medved Show, a pleasure to uh, talk uh, to my friend Larry Elder, uh, who I've known and respected for a a very long time. Uh, Larry, uh, for people who don't live in California, uh, you may not know some of his political accomplishments, but uh, he received 3.5 million votes. in the recall election where Gavin Newsom uh, actually was able to win the recall, but uh, 3.5 million votes in California in a Republican primary. If uh, if you receive 3.5 million votes, the same people who voted for you for governor, if they voted for you for president in the California Republican primary, you'd probably win the state, wouldn't you? I would think so. Uh, And, Michael, think about the math here in California. Uh, We Republicans are outnumbered three to one. Uh, And in 2003, as you know, there was a successful recall election when Arnold Schwarzenegger recalled uh, Governor Gray Davis. Since then, there are now 5 percent more registered Democrats in California. There are 50 percent more registered independents. And even The New York Times admitted that independents in California vote Democrat. There are 33 percent fewer registered Republicans, and still I received the same percentage, 49% of the replacement vote, as did Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's pretty impressive. Uh, yeah, and you haven't made as many uh, t- top-selling movies. <laughs> I haven't made any. <laughs> right, right. Okay. Uh, getting to Arnold Schwarzenegger, that's actually a good uh, segue into foreign policy. Uh, one of the things about this election that I don't think people have realized yet, but they will, is that this could be one of those rare elections where foreign policy disagreements and questions about U.S. security and foreign policy could actually sway, even decide the election. And uh, you saw how that worked when when uh, Ron DeSantis made the comment that uh, the war between Russia and Ukraine was just a territorial dispute and he didn't initially, at least, seem to say that there was a great deal of American concern about that, Uh, where would you fall down in some of the foreign policy debates that are going to be part of this presidential race you're running? Well, I think you're right. Uh, normally, as you know, these uh, elections are decided based upon domestic issues, the economy being the primary thing. And this is one of the rare instances in which I think that how you feel about the Ukraine, how you feel about China uh, will play a big role uh, in who decides, uh, who becomes a nominee and who gets elected. Uh, the original sin, in my opinion, uh, is going from energy uh, independent to energy dependent, which is what Biden did right away. That strengthened uh, Putin's hand. 
Uh, and then the disastrous pullout of Afghanistan, which I believe encouraged uh, foes all over the world to be far more aggressive than they otherwise would have been. I don't believe uh, if Biden had pulled out of Afghanistan that Putin would have invaded Ukraine, but he did. And the question is, what do we do about it? And I think to uh, ignore it and to act as if it's just something uh, that uh, has nothing to do with us uh, will then inform uh, Xi Jinping. I uh, will also inform the Ayatollahs. I uh, will also inform the dictator of North Korea. So I think there had to be a response. Uh, and uh, it doesn't bother me that we made a response. I'm very concerned about the corruption in Ukraine and about whether the money is being spent properly. We spent all this money on COVID. Uh, we found out how much of it was stolen. I can't imagine uh, that there's less percentage being stolen in Ukraine than there was the, the funds that we spent for COVID here. So I'm concerned about that. But in many ways, uh, Michael, I think that Putin has already lost this war. He's lost 200,000 troops. To put that in American terms, adjusting it for the size of our country, that would be the equivalent of us losing 400,000 troops. We've lost 5,000 combined in Afghanistan and uh, in Iraq, and Americans turned sour against both those wars as a result of that. So his economy is, is imploding. Uh, people are uh, leaving the country. Uh, people are deserting. Uh, there's an anti-war movement uh, in Russia going on right now. So I think Putin is looking for an off-ramp, and I think we ought to pressure both sides to settle this thing. Regarding China, China is our biggest uh, adversary, and what bothers me is all of the dependence that we have on China. We have a president, Joe Biden, who wants us all to buy EVs, uh, the, the lithium, the rare earth min minerals, the lithium, the cobalt, the nickel that goes into the battery is either mined or produced by China in China or mined or produced by countries that China controls. And so all we're doing is making China richer and richer and more and more dependent on an adversary. We need to bring manufacturing back here to the extent that we can. And we certainly don't need to be pressuring Americans into buying an EV on the dubious uh, uh, theory that they are on net better for the environment than gas-powered cars. And I don't believe that the case uh, can be made that they really are. Uh, Larry, one of the things that happened yesterday, and it was something of a surprise, is that President Trump um, made the case that he may not participate in Republican presidential debates uh, during the primary campaign, uh, which would probably happen sometime in August, about three months from now. Uh, I assume you are eager to participate in debates. And what would you say to President Trump to uh, try to encourage him to also be part of that airing of views of the presidential candidates? Well, when I ran for governor, Michael, I did not say a single negative thing about any of my Republican rivals. Not one of them. Not John Cox, who ran against Gavin Newsom in 2018. Uh, not Caitlyn Jenner. Not Kevin Faulkner, who I understand the party wanted. Uh, he's a two-term mayor of San Diego. By the way, I carried San Diego County by 30 points. Uh, not Kevin Kiley, who's now uh, in, in the House. I didn't say a legal, single negative thing about any of my rivals, and I don't intend to do that this time. The target is Joe Biden and the Biden-Harris administration, what they've done with the borders, what they've done uh, in uh, uh, demoralizing the police, causing crime to go up, what they've done with inflation, what they've done with gas prices, uh, paying people not to work. That's the target. So I wouldn't give Donald Trump advice one way or the other. If he doesn't want to participate in the debates, that's up to him. I'm going to be there. <laughs> I, certainly, I certainly intend to show up. 
Wouldn't it be, I mean, again, given the fact that we have so many different uh, candidates and so many of them uh, worthy, uh, including candidates who are about to jump in, like Tim Scott from uh, South Carolina. Nikki Haley gave a big speech on abortion. We're going to be talking about it later. Uh, Just exchanging ideas, it would seem to me, would be important in terms of determining the future course of the Republican Party. If uh, you talked about one shift in priorities for Republicans that you think would be important, not only for winning the presidency, but for building our party on the local level and on the legislative level, what shift should the Republicans look for in the future? Well, I think that we should be encouraging people at every level to get involved. One of the things that was more really gratifying about my race is I got letters from all over the country saying, Larry, I know you said you would never run for anything. I know they had to talk you into it. But because of you, I'm now running for school board. Because of you, I'm running for water board. Because of you, I'm running for supervisor. I'm running for commissioner. So I would encourage uh, people to get involved. The only way we're going to take back our country, meaning get it down to the size uh, that the founding fathers intended, is for people uh, of good faith and goodwill to get involved. The other thing is this, Michael. We spend way too much money uh, on both sides. Um, you don't win elections by telling people you're going to take things away from them, which is why uh, we don't talk about the uh, unsustainable entitlements. The word unsustainable was used both by Bill Clinton and by Barack Obama. Yet in Joe Biden's speech, uh, State of the Union, he implied Republicans wanted to, quote, take away Social Security because he knows that it's a toxic issue. The fact of the matter is, however, unless we do something about these so-called entitlement programs, uh, our, the future of our children will be impoverished. And so we need to have an amendment uh, to fix spending to a certain percentage of the GDP with exceptions for war and for natural disaster. That's the only way we're going to rein in spending. And that will require a uh, amendment to the Constitution, which will require the president to use the bully pulpit to encourage uh, states to um, agree to hold a convention to, to do just that. And I will do that. And uh, that's uh, certainly one thing that uh, makes you very distinct from uh, Joe Biden or from Donald Trump, where uh, both of those two front runners uh, seem to be unwilling to look at some of the problems with entitlements and with sustaining Social Security and Medicare. Uh, Larry Elder will post information about his campaign at our website at michaelmedved.com. And, uh, Larry, I hope as this campaign continues, you'll join us again. Uh, And all I can do is wish you Godspeed. And one thing is that candidates are successful when they enjoy their campaigns. And I can only wish you that kind of success. Uh, Satisfaction uh, and meaning and continuing to make a contribution, as you have for several decades, to this greatest nation on God's green earth. For special discounts on history shows, check out medvidhistorystore.com.